0: I don't
1: I'm serious. Think about it. If hand sanitizer kills 99.9% of germs, what about that 0.1% that has survived chemical warfare and is drunk on power and ready to destroy you? I'm scared. Oh. Hello. I didn't see you there. Thanks for coming back. Sit down. Take a seat. We're gonna have a fun time. I just want you to relax and remember. Sometimes, life isn't fair. Life isn't fair. Life isn't fair.
2: Life isn't fair.
1: And I always want you to try to hang in there. But seriously, you came back to spend more time with me? Bless you. You know what? Hold that thought. No, bless you. I'm not gonna do it, because do you know where bless you comes from? It's literally blessing someone because sneezes have attributed to being possessed. It's not rude to not say bless you, it's in fact quite absurd to insinuate someone is possessed for the way their normal body functions. At one time people believed Soul could be inadvertently thrust from his body by an explosive sneeze. Thus, bless you, it was a protective oath uttered to safeguard the temporarily expelled and vulnerable soul from being snatched up by satan who ostensibly was always lurking nearby the purpose of the oath bless you was to cast a temporary shield over the flung out soul which would protect it just long enough for it to regain its corporeal body conversely the sneeze itself was also the expulsion of a demon or evil spirit according to some people back in the day which had taken up residence in a person therefore although the bless you was again a protective charm meant to protect the sneezer from evil. In this version, it was meant to ward off the re-entry of an evil spirit, which a tormented soul had just rid itself of. And I'm not above blessing people against evil. What I am against is not deciding whether or not the demon is the sneeze or the demon is... Your soul being flung out of your body. Now, if we could just get together and decide which it is, I will be down for bless you any day of the week. But until then, you will get no more bless yous from me. Sneeze all you want. Satan's gonna get you. Tyler's not gonna help. Anywho, the show's about to start. Thanks for coming back, and I hope you have a nice time. We are going to start the show. Tea time with Tyler. Start the show. Talking about tea. Tea time with Tyler, like this Bossa Nova music. Welcome back to Shower Thoughts. This segment, I share with my listeners thoughts that come to me while I'm in the shower. Today's shower thoughts are. Why does nobody sound like Holly Hunter? Really, though, no human in the world has the voice of Holly Hunter, except for Holly Hunter. I find it both soothing and scary. If a number two pencil is the most used pencil, and the most widely accepted pencil to use, shouldn't it be called a number-one pencil. I think that we should line up all of the presidential candidates for the next race and see which one a dog does not bark at. Whoever doesn't get barked at will be the next president. My shower thoughts don't always make sense. But they're always special. And thanks for letting me share them with you. That's all I have for you today. You may grab a towel, dry off, and I'll see you next time for Shower Thoughts. Bye-bye. everyone this segment is called mental health support system and what i want this to be is a segment where we can talk openly and honestly about mental health i want to try to do my part to destigmatize talking about mental health issues openly with other people and if anyone ever wants to come in and join me in this discussion feel free to contact me A lot of people get nervous in doctor's offices. They are afraid about what they can and cannot say. They are afraid of repercussions of speaking openly to doctors about mental health issues. And for that reason, they do not always speak openly to doctors. And I hope that through this segment, we can talk about mental health and get a little bit of information out there. So we can start with me. I have obsessive compulsive disorder disorder. Now, obsessive-compulsive disorder, if you break down the words, is exactly what it sounds like. And I believe because of appropriation of that word, OCD has now turned into this other thing. People will say, "I'm so OCD. I like my room neat. My food can't touch. I don't like to put the ketchup on my fries." Okay, so while I do not want to ever attempt to diagnose anyone, from my understanding, those are just personal preferences. Unless the ketchup situation is controlling your life, you can't work, eat, sleep, or socialize with people without thinking about ketchup being poured on your fries, then you might not have OCD. You might just have personal preferences and personal tastes, and everybody has personal preferences. That doesn't necessarily mean that you have obsessive-compulsive disorder. I largely went undiagnosed because of the fact that I was just slapped with the label anxiety. OCD does carry a lot of anxiety because basically you have obsessive thoughts and behaviors. Not all of them are necessarily logical or rational. In fact most of them for me are very irrational but they still occur and it at times has controlled my life. But now because of cognitive behavioral therapy I am able to work through those thoughts and minimize them them to the best of my ability. So I have to remain vigilant in caring for myself with this condition because it is something that will probably always be present. OCD gets manifested in TV and movies as just hand washing or tapping things, counting ceiling tiles. Well, it definitely can manifest in those ways, that's not always what OCD is. There's a few different variations of it and everyone has their own version of it based on their own thoughts and behavior that is tied closely back into self-esteem. It's something that I have never had a lot of and something that I'm working on being better about in the future and that's part of where this podcast comes in. This podcast has been a huge outlet for me and working on not only doing something I wouldn't normally do, sharing myself with other people, sharing my ideas and thoughts and art with other people, but also trying to make a thing and put it out there and obsess over something positive for a change. So I have been putting the positive obsessive energy into this podcast. OCD also has comorbid issues for me. So because I know that I have OCD and I know that at times it has controlled my life. It has led to agoraphobia, anxiety, depression, it has led to germophobia. It's close tied into claustrophobia with me which is interesting that a person can have agoraphobia and claustrophobia so you wouldn't think that you could have those two things together but you definitely can and that's why OCD is so complicated and so hard to pin down and that's why it's so important to find the right doctor because I went for different doctors before I found the two that I'm working with and this is a huge problem and it stops people from going I have so many many friends, family members, and acquaintances that I've talked to who had one negative experience with a doctor and never went back to that doctor again, never sought out mental health care again. That to me is so sad. We need to do better. We need to encourage children at a young age to be open about any kind of mental health problems that they think that they're having. We need to educate children at an early age about mental health problems so that when they feel it and they experience it, they know what's going on. I was having obsessive and compulsive issues as a child as young as fourth and fifth grade. There needs to be a system in place in public schools. Parents need to be educating their children about mental health problems. I have a genetic variation that makes typical pharmaceutical medication for mental health issues like mainstream serotonin reuptake inhibitors, which are basic antidepressants, those don't work for me. The regular medicine they give people for anxiety, depression, either I had terrible side effects, they just flat out didn't work. Part of this genetic variation is that my liver enzymes do not process certain medications. I was born this way. So for that reason, I either under the medication and I digest it, it goes through my system and it does not work. Or inversely, it can over digest the medication. And then I have double or triple times the recommended dose in my system because there have been times where I've tried medications that made me feel terrible. So I think that more people need to be aware of these types of tests that are out there now. The test that I took that my most recent doctor suggested to me was called a gene site test. The gene site test was focused on mental health medication. So after all of these tests got done, I got this big booklet of printouts of my body information. Through analyzing all of these tests, my doctor can determine which medicines are going to work and which medicines will never work or which medicines would probably be dangerous for me to take. And the medications that I had failed in the past are the ones that I should not have been taking that potentially would have never worked based on my body, my brain, my stomach, and my liver. Something that needs to be put out into to the world is that you are not always going to see the best doctor the first time. Do your best. And I know that it's hard, I know that it's intimidating. But if you have the ability to see another doctor, if you have insurance, the money, and you have the access and privilege to see a doctor and you are not being treated right, go see another doctor. I cannot stress enough that not every doctor is right for every person. You can go and look up reviews on a doctor and half of the reviews will be, this doctor is the worst doctor I've ever seen, I can't believe they're in practice. The other half of the reviews will say, this is the best doctor I've ever seen, and they saved my life. So there is a person for everyone. The first few doctors I saw were not for me. And if you feel like you have some of the symptoms of OCD, please consult a professional, they can help you. We are going to talk about more mental health related stuff in the future. Hopefully it won't always be just me rambling. Have a good day, y'all. Stay strong. Be safe. Advocate for your own health. So I'm lucky enough to have a supporting partner, a supporting parent, supporting friends, supporting family members. If I did not have that, If I did not have insurance, if I did not have two good doctors, if I did not have the money to be able to afford the copay, I would be in another place. So I'm very grateful for those privileges. Even though I'm not a professional, I'm not trained to give advice or treat anyone in any way, I want to make it to where people feel comfortable to reach out. Thank you everyone, and remember to try to focus on your self-esteem, it's very important. All right, everyone, this is producer Jenna's Cubby Corner, the famous segment that everyone loves. Producer Jenna is here with me now. We are very tired from Ladyfest last night, stayed up till way too late, like three o'clock in the morning, and realized that we are getting old and we should not be doing that anymore.
3: It's true. I have a headache and I wasn't even drunk. (laughs) I just sweat too much.
1: That's how you know you're getting old is when you start getting hangovers from not partying related things not you get hangovers from just being awake too long because I got enough sleep I I slept in that wasn't the issue the issue was just that I stayed up past my bedtime and I had a hangover I I consumed no alcohol now that I'm older I realize that especially when it comes to food like if I I eat fast food like I'll get a hangover and I'm like it's official I'm old
3: yeah and it's hard to recover too you can only buy you know x amount of tums per week
1: yeah my body can't take this anymore but we are going to play an improv game right now. This is a movie game. That's probably not what it's called. I don't remember the actual title, but we'll call it the reverse movie title game. And what we're going to do in this game is think of a movie title, whatever the movie title is, you will come up with whatever the opposite of that movie title is. And from there, the other person will have to pitch that movie idea to a production company, basically. So I will start. you come up with a movie title, okay, and then come up with the opposite of that movie title,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and then I'm gonna pitch it to you. All right, the movie. I see. Executive.
3: <laughs> Both producer and executive. Okay, so the movie I'm going to pick is Zombieland, and the movie that you have to make is called Human Lake.
1: <laughs> Human Lake.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Uh, Hi, it's very nice to meet you. Thank you so much for letting me come... Mm I I have this great idea, and I think that it's really going to work. It's this uh, movie. I've been working on it for a very long time. It's called Human Lake. All right. Basically, in the movie Human Lake, we start out with the protagonist, who is a detective, of Uh, course. And naturally they're, you know, kind of a little bit wacky and not your everyday detective. They get in trouble a lot. They don't play by the rules.
3: Mm, Bad boy.
1: Yeah. While they're on the job one day, they find a lake full of humans. Wow. Um, and that's where the title Human Lake comes from. Are
3: they alive?
1: I haven't gotten that far yet. Oh, um, okay. So I don't know if they're alive or not, <laughs> if they're just treading water, like swimming, or if they're dead bodies. I don't know. What it, I'm open to anything, so.
3: Or is the, like, liquid lake itself just humans, like liquid human, though?
1: Oh, that's interesting. That would bring a whole other layer into the movie if there was just a lake made out of people.
3: Um, I am an executive. I have many yeah, 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 you've yeah. done
1: this before. I can tell. You are the executive at MagicMovieMountainProductions.com, and that's that's, right. that's why I wanted to meet with you. Mm-hmm. So, Human Lake, we are going to follow the adventures of Detective mm-hmm. trying to figure out what this Lake of Humans is and what it wants <laughs> with him. Oh, so he's been called to the lake, like something brought this person there. Yeah, he had a dream Mm -hmm. uh, or a vision, and he has been drawn to this human lake. We can make it a lake of humans, we can make it a lake full of humans, we can make them alive or dead. You know, that is all on the table. I'm open for interpretation all that i really care about is that it's called human lake that's really just been my passion <laughs> is making a movie called human lake i really think that it could be good so are we are we going to make this movie do right. i do i get a
3: All right, hear me out. Okay. So I'm thinking, because, you know, we don't don't know what the lake is. Is it doggy paddling people? Is it liquefied human? We don't know. That's the plot twist at the end. He's like, where's the lake? Where's the lake? It's calling me. And then he gets there, and he's like, oh, my God, it's a lake of liquefied people yeah like that episode of the, of the twilight zone to serve man where the aliens come and they're like we just want to serve man and then they start harvesting everybody to eat them because they're like no we're gonna serve you like literally in a f- a five course dinner
1: so what's the budget that we have to work on for human Lake?
3: Mm, that's gonna be tough it depends what kind of actors are you are you thinking because right now we have access to um the people on the QVC channel.
1: Okay, so um, that changes things a little bit because I was thinking Idris Elba is gonna play Mm -hmm. um, the detective, of course.
3: I mean, that'd be a great choice. And
1: then Matthew McConaughey is gonna play the voice of the lake. (laughs) (laughs) And so not only is the lake (laughs) human lake, but it also has the voice of a human. Mm -hmm. When I said it was calling him earlier, I literally mean it was calling him on the telephone. And we're back with producer Janice Covey Corner movies. Film. Film. If you're a uh, fancy, film. If you're a snob. Films. I kind of interchange them. I don't really have different movies that I call films and different movies that I call movies. I don't know why. I just, I use them interchangeably. I don't think it's snobby. You can say, everyone can say film. You can That's say true. Like if you're talking about music, you can say album. You can say it's uh, like even though album has a specific definition, I think it's okay to say this is a good album.
3: Well, sure. Yeah.
1: Does album uh, inherently mean record?
3: No, I think album is like a collection of songs that okay. are meant to be in one one deal.
1: Like a photo album. Yeah. Yeah. My okay. only
3: beef with the word film is like, we barely use it anymore. It's all no, digital now. Oh, yeah. I haven't <laughs> even
1: thought about that. So film is completely outdated.
3: Yeah, unless now it, it it's would be artistic like artistic vision or something to use like 35 millimeter. or Yeah. yeah.
1: So really, if you think about it, most movies are being shot digitally now so what would the digital word for film be? Like I'm going to see a, a digital screen projection <laughs> moving projection I'm gonna
3: go see the motion code yeah. um, I'm gonna I'll go, go right see
1: i am I'm gonna go see a projection <laughs> if a, I wanted, a matinee projection
3: If I wanted that I would just uh, look at myself in the mirror when I'm in a foul mood yeah. I want to see some matinee projection
1: Oh I can project <laughs> I can project a lot of things. That's one of my strong points is projecting all of my issues on people.
3: I put it on my resume.
1: Yeah. What what made you apply at this job? What do you what's your strongest suit? What makes you fit to be in this company? Oh I'm good at projecting. Projecting my problems onto other people, onto animals, onto strangers, friends and family members.
3: <laughs> and then they're like, oh but can you speak loudly? Like can you project? No.
1: No, not at all. and, it, and if you want me to I will not be able to. (laughs) this bit has lasted too long (laughs) um okay so yeah we were um oh uh
3: bye bye
1: bye Uh
3: and
1: The uh-huh. Unsung Heroes. I just want to use it as a way to give credit to people that definitely deserve it. We are going to talk today about Marsha Lucas. She is a relatively unknown film editor and just happened to marry George Lucas. She already had an established career. She edited Taxi Driver. She was working with Martin Scorsese. She was already editing films before she met at George Lucas so I just wanted to point that out people mention her even when they're sticking up for her they say stuff like George Lucas's wife Marsha Lucas is her own person she had a career before him a lot of people want to discredit her input and her contribution to the film because of the fact that she was married to George Lucas at the time that she worked on Star Wars I want to let you know right now that Marsha Lucas is responsible for the version of Star Wars that we have today. Marsha Lucas is 100% the driving force behind the heart that is Star Wars. You can go and look at versions of the film that were originally shot and written by George Lucas and they are horrific. They're bloated. They don't make sense. There's so much exposition and he's throwing you into this world and expecting you to memorize all these complicated names and all these crazy people. Marsha's influence simplified his ideas and made them palatable for people. Here's a quote from John Milius hailing women in the film industry. Marsha was a stunning editor, maybe the best editor we've ever known in many ways. She'd come in and look at the films we'd made, and she'd say, take this scene and move it over here. Take this and move it over there. And it worked, and it did what I wanted the film to do. Anyways, enough about George Lucas. If you want to know more about George Lucas, he's a wonderful businessman. He's a terrible filmmaker. Go watch the prequel trilogy. Heads up, Marsha Lucas and George Lucas divorced. She was not a part of the prequel trilogy. Not only was she the editor of Star Wars with an Asian editor named Richard Chu. He edited One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and nobody knows his name. When people think of Star Wars, they think of George Lucas. The original proposed name of Star Wars, A New Hope, and I'm going to try to say this without laughing, and I want you all to know that this is 100% serious. The original name of Star Wars was The Adventures of Luke Starkiller, as taken from the Journal of Wills, Saga 1, The Star Wars. That was the title of the movie. I cannot believe that any person making a movie would ever have such a long-winded title. And if you can think about that title, you can imagine how long-winded and absurd the movie was without the influence of a bunch of different people. I do feel, though, had Marsha Lucas not edited this film, we would not be talking about it because he refuses to acknowledge to this day her influence on the films. And there's no way, given all of the testimonies that we have from the cast, from the crew, from the writers, from the editors, from everybody that was involved with the film agrees that this woman should be given more credit but she really has not been given that credit. In fact, something that is very messed up about the Star Wars the original trilogy, they have been retooled and reformulated and remastered and they've come out with ten different editions because George Lucas can't stick to one. And because they've come through with so many different editions, I think that it was done to stop her from getting residuals. I think that George Lucas has redone his movies so many times and gone back and added CGI, gone back and added new scenes, new characters, all this stuff that was completely unnecessary. And I think that was done to block Marsha Lucas from getting residuals from the movie that she basically helped make. She made his ideas and his film palatable. It is even though she does not have a writing credit, she doesn't have a story by credit, she's not acknowledged at all regardless, Mark Hamill himself has said that Marcia was instrumental in key elements of plot and she does not get credit for this. After working on these movies and I think not getting the credit that she deserved, she stopped editing. She divorced George Lucas and didn't do a lot of other stuff, but her career before Star Wars was very good. She was very well known and and very highly spoken of. But after Star Wars, she kind of disappears. And I think that she was a little bit traumatized by the experience, putting everything that you have into a project, a project that you thought that you were working on with your partner, but he ends up getting all the credit. And when he's doing interviews, and whenever he's talking about it, and when he's winning awards, he's not saying oh, that was Marsha's idea. That was my wife's idea. My wife wrote that scene. My wife decided that that would be a good idea. None none of that ever really happened, and I think it kind of traumatized her. So she kind of backed away from Hollywood. She is not included in the canon of Star Wars. It really is not surprising. Um, she doesn't really do a lot of interviews. She's very assorted, reclusive. She has withdrawn from Hollywood. She worked on this movie with her partner, and she did not get the credit that she deserved, and he probably resented her for it. He did not win an award for best director or best screenplay. She won an award for best editing. I want to leave you with this quote from Marsha because I think it's it says a lot and it says a lot about how we treat her. Um, We've kind of erased her from history of Star Wars and she is as just as much Star Wars as he is. Marsha says, I felt we were partners partners in our home, and we did these films together. I wasn't a 50% partner, but I felt I had something to bring to the table, Marsha says. I was the more emotional person who came from the heart, and George was the more intellectual and visual, and I thought that provided a nice balance. But George would never acknowledge that to me. I think he resented any criticism I gave to him. He felt that all I ever did was put him down. In his mind, I always stayed a stupid valley girl. He never felt I had any talent editing. He never felt I was very smart and he never gave me any credit. When we were finishing Return of the Jedi, George told me he thought that I was a pretty good editor. In the 16 years of our being together, I think that was the only time he ever complimented. I just think that quote is really sad. I, I think it's really unfortunate that this very obviously talented person was maybe had a career cut short because of this experience, because of a lack of acknowledgement when you do something, and you, when you do something, and you make a piece of art, even if it's not 100% yours, like she said, but she influenced the film. She influenced the final product. She, hey, had done this movie on his own, it would not be watchable, and that is where we are at with the prequel trilogies, and I'm so happy that he has sold Star Wars to Disney, because it seems that Kathleen Kennedy, who is the head of Disney right now, is really doing good with it. Marsha Lucas is an unsung hero. She is a prolific editor. She is responsible for a lot of what we see in Star Wars and what we feel in Star Wars, and I just wanted to recognize her today. Thank you, Marsha, for your contribution to this film. has built up around it. Star Wars means so much to so many people, and you have to question if it would had she not been involved. I'm not saying that Marsha Lucas is out there hurting for cash because she divorced from George Lucas, so she's probably got billions and billions of dollars, too. I'm not saying that she is uh, wronged monetarily in any way. I am saying that she does not give the credit when we talk about the history of Star Wars. And Richard Chu, also an Asian editor at the time, making a movie and working on a movie like that is such a big deal. And we don't ever talk about those two. They won an award for editing, best editing of of a motion picture of that year. A lot of people don't really appreciate or understand what editors do, an editor can make or break a movie. And in this case, Marsha Lucas and Richard Chu have made this movie what it is, in my opinion. And I think they deserve to be recognized. Marsha Lucas specifically, because at least Richard Chu, being a male, is in the history books for working on Star Wars. He is credited as being the main editor, and Marsha is just credited as being his little helper. Of course, that is not how it went down now you all know marcia lucas did a lot for star wars and she's an unsung hero thank you very much for listening Bye 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 Bye
2: bye 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 hi everyone welcome to the spaceship if you would just like to take a step to the left you're gonna enter the corner of the spaceship and we're so happy that you've come to be with us on the spaceship today uh actually
0: i was brought here i did not choose to be on the spaceship
2: We all choose our paths in life. And if you're on the spaceship now, that means you're meant to be on the spaceship.
0: So, uh,
2: what are you going to do to me? Well, we're going to go through a series of tests, and we're going to play a little bit of Scrabble, and we're going to eat some Easy Mac Mac and Cheese.
0: So, what is the test?
2: Well, the tests are how well you can eat the Mac and Cheese, and how well you can play the Scrabble.
0: So, you're telling me I'm on a spaceship, I've just been abducted, and you just want me to play Scrabble and eat mac and cheese? And you're not gonna cut me open or do any weird stuff to my butt?
2: No, we aren't that kind of spaceship, and I want to break the stigma surrounding spaceships. If you see any in your neighborhooding areas, just know that they're safe spaceships and that they're friendly. And when they're depicted by the media, they're torn apart. We're made to look like we put tools on people's butts and we don't do that.
0: Okay, I didn't know that. I only know what I know from X-Files. And in X-Files, you're all bad. Except for the one that played baseball. The baseball alien was fine. But in X-Files, y'all cut people open and you put stuff in people's butts. And in Close Encounters, you just played music. And steal fathers away from their families, but we're not going to get into that. And from E.T., I just know that aliens have a lot of heart. And connect a lot with little boys.
2: Yeah, but not
0: in that way, you freak. I wasn't thinking of it any other way than the way it was depicted. In the sweet Steven Spielberg film, E.T., the extraterrestrial, no colon. Uh, I didn't mean like colon, like butt stuff colon. I meant like colon, you know, like, like, like punctuation colon.
2: (sighs) You're gonna need to not say those words. Cause I'm very sensitive.
0: Uh, okay, so where's mac and cheese? Let's play Scrabble.
2: Do you actually like Scrabble? Do you like mac and cheese? I don't want to make you do something you don't want to do. Aliens don't do that. Yeah,
0: I love mac and cheese and Scrabble's okay. We can play Scrabble.
2: What do you mean it's okay?
0: Uh, Scrabble's okay. I mean, can we play like Yahtzee, Monopoly, a card game, something like Uno? No, we're going to play
2: Scrabble or nothing. We don't play Uno on this spaceship.
0: Okay, you didn't have to get all big and scary and raise your voice at me and growl. Um, I didn't like that at all.
2: Okay. Okay, well, if you didn't like that, then you're going to have to eat the mac and cheese, you're going to have to play Scrabble, and you're going to have to like it, and that's the end of the story. Okay, let's let's play Scrabble. You have to have fun doing it, though. You have to have fun doing it. Okay, I'll have
0: fun. Calm down. You need therapy.
2: Yeah, you're right. I've looked into it. I'm gonna I'm gonna call a few. I'm gonna call a few places tomorrow and see if I can get an appointment in. But they're like, you know, the wait times are so long, and you have to wait out like three months. And there's not very many good therapists in our area, and it's it's a huge problem in the healthcare industry. Uh, uh, half the half the doctors don't know what they're doing, and I'm an alien, and so they. I walk into their office, and they don't trust me. They judge me. It's hard. Enjoy your mac and cheese. Uh, so when do I get to go home? Uh, I don't know. Bye. Never. You never get to go home again.
1: friends Thank you so much for listening. If you've made it all the way to the end, I commend you. Thank you to everyone who's giving me loving support. Thank you to Mallory for doing all of our art. Thank you to Ty and Gary for doing our music. Thank you to everyone who's listened. Thanks to Heather and producer Jenna for always being awesome, always helping me out, always encouraging me. I couldn't do it without any of you. This is the end of the podcast. I'm just going to leave you with this little note fact. The singer Dido's real name is actually Dido, but it's her first name. Her full name is actually Dido Florian Cloud de Bonneville O'Malley Armstrong. And that's it for the Tea Time with Tyler show. Today's episode was sponsored by Yogi Peach detox tea. It will clean out your liver and kidneys, supposedly. And also, it's pink, so it's safe for women. That much we know. Anyhow, thank you once again for listening to my sophomoric episode. I'm going to call it my sophomore skunk. That's
0: all I've got for that's you all I've today. Got for, that's all. Bye, Bye to you. you. Bye, Bye to you. Play to us you. out. Bye, Bye
2: done yeah.